We are in Hebrews chapter 11, and contrary to our previous pattern, we're not going to be heading over to Exodus very much, but we will refer to some of the things that had gone on in the book of Exodus. We'll have our hands full here with the five verses or so we're picking up. But we see four times we read the words, by faith Moses. So all the other times it was one time, by faith Joseph, and by faith the different different ones, but four times we're referred to here, by faith Moses, in verses 24 through 29. So we're going to spend our time on those four occurrences to find out what the writer had in mind as far as the faith of Moses was concerned. In verse 24, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now when he came of age... I don't know what age that would exactly be. I know that for the, the Hebrew children, some are, you know, young teens, they come of age for certain things, if that's what they're referring to, or it could have been something before that, but he wasn't in his 20s. He was sometime, I would say, probably the latest would be early teens, but maybe it was even sooner. And up till now, he's been called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's all he's known. Somehow he came into the understanding that he was not the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that he was the son of another. And so he was dealing with this, do I want to continue on being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter even though I am not? Because there are certain privileges that come from being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he could have walked in those privileges. But something came up on the inside of him and said, no, I don't want to do that. So by faith, Moses when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, it doesn't say that he decided. It says he refused. Now, picture a young child refusing to be called someone's son. Who's he refusing to? Refusing to Pharaoh's daughter. So Pharaoh's daughter says, Son, come here. I'm not your son. Now, how well do you think that's going to go over? How well would it go over in your house? So you can imagine some of the strife and some of the things that would come in into Moses' life, but Moses brought it in. Moses was intentional with it. No, I'm not going to be called this. I am not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. If he's not the son of Pharaoh's daughter, who's he the son of? Well, he realized I'm the son of Abraham. I'm the son of Abraham's, one of Abraham's daughters. Not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he's not going to take the being called that anymore. And so every time his mom would say, Son, come here. I am not your son. I am a Hebrew son. Or he's going to be saying something like, I'm a son of Abraham. Because it says he refused. It doesn't say he decided I'm not going to be called that anymore. Mom, I, I asked you not to call me that anymore. He refused. There's a little bit more of a willingness on his part. So picture this household. Here's Pharaoh's daughter. She pulled this guy out of the, out of the Nile saved him and now she's probably thinking well how ungrateful can that boy be I saved his life I could have let him die and I saved his life and this is what I get back and so he was probably hit with a lot of guilt because you know how moms can do that we don't have a dad in the picture we just had the mom and so she's probably coming over don't you know what I I did. I mean, that's one of the big things moms always do. You know, you know how many labor, hours I was in labor for you. <laughs> we talk about these these things that go on, but she didn't, she couldn't talk about that because there was no labor. Do you know what I sacrificed? Do you know what I put on the line? Do you know how I stuck my neck out? And this is what I get. But Moses still continued to go on despite the pressure. No, I'm not going to be called. A son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, what's the harm in it? He can decide I'm not going to be the Pharaoh's daughter's son. But he doesn't know. He's not going to be called it. He doesn't want people going around saying, you're the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So, not just with the mom, but probably other people come along too. And as soon as they do, he's refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So, if someone else refers to him as, as that, what's he doing? I am not. He's, he's putting him to, to tell him this. I am not. And he's setting that, that direction in front of him 
I'm of Abraham. I'm not a Pharaoh. Now, if I'm of Abraham, that means I'm of Abraham's gods, not Pharaoh's gods. And so when they go in and they worship, I'm not worshiping that. That's not, they're not my gods. And there may have been a pool in the house. He wants to go out and he wants to worship the, the Hebrew gods. God, I should say. And they're over there worshiping the Egyptian gods. Come on, we're going over to the temple. We're going to go make sacrifice. I'm not going. They're not my gods. They're your gods. You go worship them. So there was strife that was coming in because he refused to be called the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So this is the choice that was put before him. So if he's going to Pharaoh's daughter and saying, I am not your son, she could be saying, fine, if you don't want to be my son, do you want to go out there with the rest of the slaves? And he's, it says that he decided, yes, I will prefer to be out there with the rest of the slaves than to be here being called your son. Boy, that's got to hurt. Boy, that's got to be tough for Moses to do. But he decided, no, this is the way we got to we got to go. He's, he has a whole lot to give up. And by his viewpoint, from what he can see, not a whole lot to gain. But you see, if he's called to be the deliverer, well, he can't be on the side of the oppressors. That's not going to... He's seen that. That's not going to work. i got to get out of this side. So he's choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So he had a choice to be made. This word here, refused, means to disavow, reject, deny, or refuse. Some of the times that this verse is used, in fact, most of the time we see this word used, it is used when we hear the word denial. It is used to describe Peter, Peter's denial of Jesus. When Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter denied it. That's what, that's what you're going to see. And the rest of the disciples, when they were said, you're going to forsake me, they all denied it. We see that same word. They, they refused. No, no, no. You're not going to call me a betrayer. Uh-uh. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to betray you. Even if I have to die. We saw it with the... Uh, remember when Jesus was out there and the crowd was thronging him and the woman with the issue of blood came up and touched the hem of his garment and he said, who touched me? And the crowd of people denied it. That's the word the Jews. Oh, it wasn't, we didn't touch you. Uh-uh, we didn't. Oh, it's all kinds of people touching them. They just got done saying that. The whole crowd is, is around you. You say, who touched me? They're all touching you. He says, no, someone touched me with healing power, but they all denied it. And when, it's, when she saw that she couldn't deny it any longer, she confessed. It talks about um, us denying Christ. We see that word used. Or denying the power of our new nature. Or even denying ungodliness. But only here is it translated refuse. So basically what you're having is that Moses is denying that I'm Pharaoh's daughter. Or, or son. I'm not the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It's not it. It's not who I am. He's denying it. He's refusing. I don't mind. I don't mind at all they, they translate it this way because I think that's probably in reality how it ended up working out if he's denying it he's refusing she's trying to call him son and he says nope nope put in your outline this any choice we make is also a refusal and any refusal is our choice of something we esteem to be of more value if you walk into a store and they have something that you've been shopping for you've been wanting to get and they, they have it on sale and it's a certain price and you come up there and you see I've been looking for this here it is here's the price and you say no my $10 my $20 my $50 is more valuable to me than that I'll wait for the price to come down or I'll wait for it to go on sale or whatever it might be we just decide no um, I don't see that as, as and I refuse to buy it and I walk out of the store because I have decided that it was not as valuable as the price tag that they put on. There's a, re- a refusal there. There's a choice. But if I go in there and I'm, I'm expecting to pay $20 for this particular thing and I go in and they have it on sale for 10 
Well, I may choose then to depart or part with my $10 in order to receive that particular item because I'm convinced that it's a bargain. So every choice is a refusal and every refusal is a choice for something that we esteem to be of more value. And so Moses decided being a child of God is more valuable than being a child of Pharaoh. And so he was not going to be called a child of Pharaoh anymore. I'm going to be called a child of God. I'm going to be called a child of the Hebrew, not a child of the Egyptians. And he refused to be called that because he saw this as more valuable. Anytime that we have a problem making the right choice, it's because we haven't uh, uh, put the right value on it. This is where we, we have to go. Now, the Word of God tells us all kinds of ways that we are to live. It tells us certain attitudes that we're supposed to have. And how many know we don't always live up to the attitudes that the Word of God says we ought to have? Because at the time, we have decided that my right to have this attitude is more valuable than doing what the Word of God has said. I would rather be angry here than to op- operate the way the Word of God has said. And we just we put more value on the wrong thing. Most of the times we're going to miss on the Word, we put the value on the wrong thing. Most of the time we say hurtful words to people, it's because we put the value on the wrong thing. I put a value on, i got to speak my mind. i got to let the what I think to be the truth be told. I don't care about the value of someone else's feelings or what someone else is going through. So most times when we make a wrong choice, it's really a, a, long, a wrong assessment of values. What is valuable? And we just decided that something else was more valuable. Down the road we may say, oh, that was not so valuable as I thought because I'm reaping a reward now I don't really like. So Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. That word there for affliction means to suffer with, to endure adversity together. It is only used here. We don't see this word used anyplace else. But it means to suffer with. Not just to suffer. It means to suffer with. To endure adversity together. It's one thing to endure adversity apart, but it's another thing to endure adversity together. It's kind of like when you were going to school and there was a gang of you, three, four, ten, whatever number of people were there, and you all got involved in something, but one or two of them got caught. Not the whole group. One or two of them got caught. And they're growing them and they say, who else was involved with you? We know other people were involved and I'm not giving you up. There's No, it was just us. Nobody else. And um, And you decide... No, I need to suffer with them. And you come clean and say, I was one of those ones who did it, and uh, I'll, I'll suffer with them. So they're already suffering. And I make the decision to come over there and to, to suffer with them. But it's an interesting verse right here, because then it goes on to say, to suffer with the people of God. And that word there for people is the Greek word, laos. The reason I make note of that is it is not the general word for public or the, the uh, people in general. That would be the word demos. That would be people in general. What this particular means is one's own people. So he, what he's saying here is that he chose to suffer affliction with his own people who were of God. That's what he chose to do. He said, those guys, I'm off the hook. They're the ones that are on the hook. I don't have to do this, but I chose to suffer with them. No, I'm going to be numbered among the slaves. I'm going to be numbered among the Hebrews. I'm going to be numbered among the people of God. They're my people. I'm going to go out there with them. Even though I'm here in this palace, enjoying all these benefits of being at Pharaoh's house, So the faith involved was believing that what was promised was greater than what was seen. You see, he's in the palace. Everything he could want, it's there. I mean, in the wilderness, they're talking about all the leeks and garlic they could have. I mean, he's got steak and 
and um, fish and whatever kind of delicacies that people would want. There's some people, some people like delicacies that pay a lot of money for them that I don't understand. Caviar is one of those. I've never in my life bought caviar. I tried it one time. We were down there in Mexico and they had it out there on the buffet. And um, I mean, why not try it? It's not costing me nothing. It's already there on the table. So we tried it and that is the grossest, most disgusting stuff I ever put in my mouth. That was horrendous. My thought was, people pay money for this. Why? This is just not, this is not good. But maybe he liked it. If he did. I don't know. Anybody like, anybody here like caviar? I think Miss Ethel likes it. Alright, if anybody gives me some, it's coming your way. Send it right on over. I'm sure that there's different types. And, uh, when we were down, we were only down in Mexico one time. Enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. But uh, they do not know how to do desserts in Mexico. They they fail at desserts. They're terrible. They basically just buy, bypass the whole thing. There wasn't a single thing on the dessert table I enjoyed the entire time I was there. And I tried all sorts of stuff, trying to find something that I would like. It was all awful. Some of it was more awful than others, but it was none of it was good. So I just stayed with the regular food. And they even messed up Diet Coke. Do you know that? They had it under another name. It looked it looked exactly like the same thing, but they called it something else. It wasn't Diet Coke? It was. They put another name on it. So I guess they're. I don't. I don't know why, but it was made by the same people, I think. Same, you know, same colors and the thing. But it tasted awful. Oh, whatever they did to it, it was. They messed up too much, didn't they? But anyway. But he's in the palace. He's never worrying about paying for anything. He doesn't have to balance his checkbook. He doesn't have to go shopping, cook a meal. Everything is done for him. They clean for him. I don't know if he'd want them to, but you know, you watch some of the movies, they dress you if you want. I could never get used to that. Get out of here. Take care of that myself. But I don't know what all he would like to do, but whatever he wants, you know, if he goes up and says, hey, I want a new chariot. He gets a new chariot. I want a new sword. He gets a new sword. It's no big deal. What do you want? But he said, I'm going to give all that up. And I'm going to go over there and suffer with the people. That's what he chose. That was his faith. Because what he chose was something he couldn't see. God promised it, but he couldn't see it. All he could see was anguish. But he said, I know that's only for a time. And I'd rather have that for a time in pleasure up in heaven than, te- than temporary pleasure down here in anguish later on. Verse 26, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He esteemed. That word there, esteem, comes from the, the, the Greek word to count, consider, regard, or to deem. To count, consider, regard, or to deem. He counted it up. He looked at this and said, Alright, here's the things on God's side. Here's the things on Egypt's side. And there's not a whole lot he can see on God's side. There's a whole lot he can see on Egypt's side. So he has to go beyond what he can see and with faith look into what's coming. And that's what he does. And he esteems the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. So he considers both sides. Here's the one side. Here's the other side. So think of it this way. What two sides do you face? What two sides are you facing? Because generally, there's always two sides. There's the side that we see and the side that we don't see. Now we're looking at this right now in the, in the scope with, with him as far as riches and poverty and uh, anguish and, and happiness, joy, you know, good things and bad things and but you, you can look at other stuff too. Anything that the promise of God is there and you are not quite lining up to it. Get a bad report from the doctor. Well, you've got to line up what the doctor says to what God says. But you see, most people, Christian people, we're not talking about the world. They're going to live any way they want to anyway. But too many people in the body of Christ, we take what the doctor says and we count it 
more than what God said. You can hear that in the way people talk. You can hear that the way people pray. Because when people pray, oh God, please take care care of this thing. Oh God, please. Begging God. What happens is I put more stock into what the doctor says than in what God says. There's no way you're at it. That's the way that it is. If I put more stock in what God said than what the doctor said, then when the doctor gives me a bad report, he says, Doc, I thank you for your help. I thank you for your uh, insight on that. Um, I'm on my way. I don't have to yell at the doctor. I don't got to put the doctor down. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, you're a quack. You don't have to do that. He's telling you the best he can do. But see, I don't put the stock in, in that. He can only tell me what he can see. But God has another another viewpoint. So we have to listen to what God says. How many times did, did he come up to people in the in the Word of God? If only if only you can believe. When the news came that the daughter was dead, hey, all things are possible to him that believes. Stay with me on this. Mary and Martha, when their brother died, all things are possible. Stay on the side of believing. Well, yeah, I know he'll, he'll rise again in the resurrection. See, we're faced with two things. What is it in the natural that is telling us to do something, to go against what God has said? Because the enemy wants you to put more weight into those things than in the stuff that you cannot see. And unfortunately, folks, there's a whole lot of Christians we put more stock into what we cannot see or less stock in what we cannot see and more in what we can. Yeah, but I feel this way. Well, that's that's fine. You feel that way. I understand. You don't have to deny how it is that you feel. You don't got to try and pretend that you don't feel that way. So what? You, you feel this particular way. Big deal. Word of God's never about denying it. Well, I don't, I don't feel that way. Well, that doesn't help you. We can, we can acknowledge where things are. I mean, he didn't say, boy, look at them Hebrews over there. They are living the life. Mm-mm-mm. He said, no, this, those guys have it rough, but I'm choosing that rough life over this because of what I see in the future. So we just keep on, keep on going. Father God, I thank you that what you said in your word is true. And no matter what it is that I feel in my body, no matter what it is that I see with my eyes, no matter what it is that I feel on the inside of me, emotionally, no matter what it is that I think, Father God, I believe your word. I confess your word. And I thank you that your word is true. Let me go on. See, people, when we're trying to convince God to do something, we have put more stock in what we feel and what we see. There's no way around it. That's all there is to it. We're putting more stock into what we feel and what we see. Just go to God and say, Father God, I thank you. Your word is true. And I thank you that it's coming about for me. Glory be to God. Let me go on. But every time we feel something, every time that it seems like we're not quite walking in what God has said, the enemy comes up to us. Well, what do you think about that? And we'll have words that go out of us like, oh, I'm so discouraged. Oh, I keep trying. I keep doing the right things. I keep saying the right things. But it's not just not changing. So that's the person who's gotten off in the wrong, wrong direction. Can't do it. Can't, we can't do it. Don't, don't walk that way. Keep on going. Father God, this is the way we're going. This is the direction that we're heading. This is what we're going to do. Glory to God. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And I'll tell you, they had some riches. In, they had so much riches in Egypt that they buried people with tons of gold. Coated their coffins with gold and buried them. Took all the gold they had, treasures, buried them with them. Just buried them all. That's all right. We got more. And they go and they get some more. They they weren't concerned about all that. That's how much treasure they had. If they were poor, you don't bury people with gold. You let them die. Yeah, yeah. We're going to bury you with all that gold, and then when they die, you keep it all. See, they, they they weren't hard up for money. 
I wrote this uh, translation of this one in the New Century Version. It goes like this. He thought it was better to suffer for Christ than to have all the treasures of Egypt because he was looking for God's reward. He thought instead of esteeming. You see, he's thinking this. He's counting on this. He's counting this, this cost. He's considering it. He's regarding it. He thought it was better to suffer for the Christ than to have all the treasures of Egypt because he was looking for God's reward. Not just a share of the treasures of Egypt. All of it. Verse 27. By faith he forsake Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The word there, he forsook Egypt, means to leave behind, to abandon, or to forsake. This word is used in these particular ways in the Word of God. Jesus, when He was leaving one place to go to another, when Jesus would leave Nazareth to go on to another spot, when He would leave Galilee to go on to another spot, this is the word that's used. You leave it. You, you, you turn your back on it. I mean, you might go back to it later on, but right now we are leaving Nazareth to go on to wherever it is that we're going. You leave it behind. So Jesus leaving one place to go to another. Leaving father and mother to marry. This word is being used. Mary abandoning Martha in the kitchen. That's This word was being used. Leaving the 99 sheep on the hill. This word is being used. Those who brought the woman caught in adultery and Jesus got down on the sand and wrote and one by one they they left. This word is being used. And the Father not leaving Jesus in hell. This word is being used. By faith, he forsook Egypt. So just as God, I'm not forsaking you into hell. Uh-uh, I'm coming back to get you. That's not what I'm doing. That word is used here to describe Moses when he says he forsook Egypt. He left it behind. I'm moving on to something else. I'm done here. I'm moving on to this one. The New Century Version translates it this way. It was by faith that Moses left Egypt. He was not afraid of the king's anger. Moses continued strong as if he could see the God that no one can see. This is before his burning bush experience. God was so real to him that even though he could see all these treasures in Egypt, he could see all the good things that were going on here in Egypt, he said, no, I'm going to turn my back on that because the God that I see is so real. He outshines all this stuff. Well, that's a vision we have to get in it. Again, this is 40 years before he has a burning bush experience. Maybe even more. But it's before any of that happened. Let's go on here to verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Now, if you were up there on Facebook, I made mention of a particular word that uh, caught my attention. It seems like a minor word, but for some reason it caught my attention. I kept meditating on this, meditating on this. When I finally got in here in this, this morning, I was uh, tearing out my some of my the big guns, I call them, on this to find out what this particular word. And this word is all over the New Testament. This word is not just used in a couple of different places. It is the Greek word poieo. It means, to, I didn't count up how many uses it is, but it's, it's, it's just all over. When I looked at my, my big guns, the, the books, they list out every listing and I had to turn two pages. I seldom need more than one column. And I was turning two pages of listings of where this was. This is how often this word is used. But here's what it says. It's interpreted here. By faith, he kept... That's the word we're looking at here. He kept the Passover. Now, are we talking about Moses in the wilderness? Are we talking about Moses in Egypt? We're talking about Moses in Egypt. How many Passovers did the children of Israel practice in Egypt? One. 
All right. If you have one Passover, are you keeping it? No, you're starting it. This is a brand new thing. This isn't something that we keep. Afterwards, they kept it. But here, we're not keeping it. Why do we use the word keep? Now, half the translations I looked at, and I looked at a lot of them, half the translations use this word. But how can you keep something that you're instituting? And where's the faith in keeping a Passover? There's only one Passover in the land of Egypt. We got that recorded in the Word of God. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. The only time that Passover was observed in which the firstborn was in danger was in Egypt. There was no other time that there was, that there, they were in danger. This is it. So this is the time we're talking about it. Why do we use the word kept? So I looked up that word poyeo. It means to make, do, create, produce, work, accomplish, perform, or act. I did not find the word keep in any of the defined meanings. Now, if you pull up the Strong's thing, they just list a way it's being translated and you'll see it in that one. I'm the, I didn't go for that. I went, Like I said, I got the big guns out. I'm one of the guys who, who really get into this language. What do they say about it? So here's something very interesting I found. You won't find this in most stuff. But in the Septuagint, everybody know what the Septuagint is? That's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Whenever this word shows up, it is used to translate the word Asa. Now, Asa, if you don't remember back into our creation days, we're teaching that, Asa is one of the words that people confuse with creation. Asa is very, very common in the book of Genesis, in the chapter, in the first chapter. Asa means to make something out of something. And this word is very often for the word Asa, this word is what is being used. But the other word that we compare Asa to is the Greek or the uh, Hebrew word bara. Bara means to create out of nothing. One means to make, the other means to create. Because when you make something out of nothing, you're creating it. When you make something out of something, you're changing it. But it's still there. So those are two words. Whenever we have the, the word bara, very seldom do you ever see this word being used for it. So what's, what they're telling us here is that they see this word more as a translation of asa, to make something out of something, than to create something. Now that's important for a couple of things. What this word is talking about is action. What this word is talking about is doing. And keeping here is not the best translation of this thing. It's, it's doing. What we have, what is being spoken of here, is that God told Moses, going back into the book of Exodus here, you all know the story of the Exodus? God told Moses, Moses, the destroyer is coming. It doesn't say where the destroyer is coming from. Most people assume that God is sending it. There's nothing in there about God sending it. Now the Egyptians up to now have been the destroyer and they have been destroying the lives of the Israelites. And now this destroyer is coming. Uh, we don't need to get into the debate whether it's uh, of God or of the devil or wherever it's from. But the destroyer is coming. The target of the destroyer is the firstborn. And God has said, this destroyer is coming. The way that you can prevent the destroyer from coming to your house and messing with your firstborn. Here's what you do. You take a blemish-free lamb and sacrifice that lamb. Gave him the instructions for the Passover. For the whole 
the whole uh, thing they were supposed to observe and which the Jewish people observed every year. Still do. Told you one of these days we'll get one of those Passover Seder people to come on by and show because it's it's remarkable how much Christ is in it. And that none of that is in the Word of God. They, just, they have just passed it on with their traditions and done a marvelous job of, of that, especially since they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. But this was was passed on. And he says, all right, once we, we kill that little baby lamb, we got to preserve the blood. And with the blood, you're going to put it on the doorpost and on the mantle. Every house. If it's on the doorpost and on the mantle, death angel can't come in. He may want to come in, but he can't come in if you have that. And you know, when you... Well, I don't know which one movie it was. There was one movie that was being made about it and then somebody was in love with an Egyptian. He went over to, to her house and and uh, put the blood on their doorstep and he got into all kinds of trouble. What was that? The Ten Commandments? All right, I knew it was one of those ones out there. Uh, there's no evidence that that happened at all. It's just part of the making, movie-making process. I'm not telling you that it didn't happen or that it couldn't have happened. I'm just, uh, you know, it's just part of the movie-making process and that's fine. I don't mind people adding things for the movie that are not against what the Word of God it just bugs me when they don't get it right what it does say. But um, that's all you had to do. As long as that blood was there, there you go. Now, I'm not sure, I, the way they have it in the movie, how much that would work because the household needs to take the lamb for each household and they that was somebody else's lamb. I don't know if that would work. But uh, anyway, it worked in the movie. So <laughs> we have that going for us. But anyway, this is what was to be done. So here's Moses now. We're instituting the, the last supper, the, the Passover. It comes the last supper. And he's coming out to a people and he says, look, there's a destroyer coming. You have never seen him. He has never operated to the degree to which he's going to operate here tonight. But God told me he's coming and that what you have to do is go through this real long elaborate process of killing a lamb and doing all this preparation and going through and doing all this stuff with the unleavened aspect of it and and then taking the blood and putting it on the doorposts. And then you'll be you'll be spared from it. Now, you know the attitudes of the children of Israel. And you're telling them, you can't see this enemy coming. You won't know it until he gets here. But if you don't do this, it's not going to be good for you. Now, how much do you think the children of Israel want to believe that? Based on their previous things. We don't get too much in the Word of God about them being disobedient, but if any of them were, they would have lost their firstborn just like the Egyptians did. But that's what Moses had to do. And if Moses didn't, then people on his side were going to die. That's why I probably lean more to the side that this isn't something that God sent but something that was was coming and God was warning them about it. This is, this is what's happening, but you guys can be protected. Just do this. So Moses, he did not keep the Passover. He instituted it. Now, I've got a couple of translations here for you to read. Uh, one's from the New Century Version. We've been reading that for the other ones. We also read it for this one. It was by faith that Moses prepared the Passover that and spread the blood on the doors so that the one who brings death would not kill the firstborn sons of Israel. That's pretty plain. I think it's a pretty good translation right there. Uh, another translation puts it this way. Faith stirred Moses to perform the rite of Passover and sprinkle lamb's blood to prevent the destroyer from harming their firstborn. William's translation puts it this way. By faith he instituted the Passover and the pouring of blood upon the doorpost so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So it's not in the keeping of the Passover, it's in the institution of it. That he had faith that what God said was coming and that if we did this, we would be protected. We would be spared. And some of the things that I saw, remember from that movie, was the the cries of Israel. I mean, you read about it in the Word of God, but to see that in the movie and to hear the cries going going on in Israel and Egypt and the cries of people as they they see that their sons, firstborn sons, had, had died. Hmm. There was great sadness in the land. Of course, that matched the sadness that Israel had when they were killing not just the firstborn, but all their their boys. 
So this destroyer of the firstborn, he'd not been seen before. It was a danger only known to those who believe the Word of God. If you don't believe the Word of God, you wouldn't have known it or prepared about it. Verse 29, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. So here's another by faith. Here's the fourth by faith. So in passing through the Dead Sea, you march into what seems extremely dangerous. How many have ever been by a really high waterfall? Is it, is it a little bit scary? I mean, we're not talking about, you know, 30 feet. We're talking 100 feet, 200 feet, 300 feet. I mean, huge fall. That water is just rushing down. It's just, it's scary. I mean, you're at a safe distance. It's not coming where you are, but you can still feel a little bit of that fear coming in you. Now imagine being in a Red Sea, very wide, and God has parted it. Word of God, as best we can interpret it, they were, it was frozen on the side. You've got a congealed, this is what the Word of God says, congealed on this side and congealed on this side. And you go on by there and, um, man, is that going to hold? never seen this before. Now, how does it come about? How do we get to the part where the Red Sea is parted? Because Moses did something. God spoke to Moses and Moses did what God said to do. Has he ever seen a sea part before? No. Never seen a sea part before. This is the only time he does it. Because at one time, I know the cartoons are always about Moses when he's little, he's in the bathtub, you know, and the water's part and all this sort of stuff. I think it's more realistic that Paul is out there delivering rabbits and uh, other birds and other things, more so because that was what was in him. That's what he was passionate about, more so than water just parting wherever he would, wherever he would go. But anyway, that's the, the, the jokes that we like to see. But God told him certain things. Moses, if you do this, you're going to do something good. You're going to see some mighty power coming on out here. He told him what he was going to do. And so then Moses stood up. Could you imagine standing up to a body of water? Taking your rod, sticking it out over there. Telling all the children, hold on a minute. Got something to do. And then we're all going to be on the move. To where? We've got a wall on this side, and a wall on this side, and the Egyptian army over here. Where are we going to? Hold on a minute. Can you imagine stepping up and doing that? That took some faith. That means he had to take what God said and believe it, stand up there in front of all the two to four million people that are there, stuck that rod out there. Moses, what's that rod going to do? We don't need no stakes. Sticks that rod out there and then stuff begins to happen. And waters begin to part. I mean, I'm sure it's not quiet. Water doesn't seem to do anything quiet. Go down there in the ocean when they have waves. You hear water. You hear it. You hear it moving. When those storms come. You know, they say it's a Category 4 storm right now. That's a, that's a powerful storm. That's noisy. With wind and water. It's a, it makes a noise. I'm sure it's making some noise. It's not doing this as quietly. This stuff's being parted. And then once it's all done, you would think, oh, let's, let's get excited. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to be the first one. I'm not going to be the first one in there. You go on down there. You, t- you try it out. And so eventually they, they get on in there, but I'm sure that they're still looking at this thing. Is, this, is, is it going to hold? Is it going to hold? Fortunately, their faith was not involved in this. It was Moses. It's not by faith the people of Israel caused it. It was by faith Moses. They, by faith, they walked. You had to have some faith <coughs> to walk out there. I'm sure that was, that was, it says by faith they passed through the Red Sea. But it was Moses that caused it to, to move apart. I mean, it's, it's God's power, but Moses doing what God said. If Moses doesn't do what God said, God's power doesn't work. 
Because he needs somebody on earth to do what he says to do. Otherwise, why in the world is he telling them to do it? He just may as well go out there and do it. But he needs somebody to do something. So Moses went out there and he did it. And by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Not even mud. Whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. Now see, they had the Word of God. The Word of God said, Go! But the Word of God didn't come to the Egyptians. They didn't have the Word. God didn't say stop. He didn't tell them not to go. He didn't speak to them at all. But they decided, well, it helped for them. Now, just imagine this. The stupidity of a group of intelligent people who are pursuing folks that God has just shown up in ten times the ten different miracles that decimated your country. And the last one killed off your firstborns. And now, he has gone through and done something else and opening up the Red Sea and they just walked on through. And you're going to say, let's take this on. Hmm. That is amazing. See, the Egyptians attempting to do so, they were drowned. They were drowned. The people entered in through faith. They had faith in God. Or at least faith in what Moses said. They had faith in at least something. But the Egyptians had no word of God on it. That's why when you're going to, you're going to stand for healing, you're going to stand for financial, you're going to stand for something emotional, you're going to stand whatever it is you're going to stand for, you've got to stand on what God said. You've got to go back to the word of God. What did God say is available to me? Not what did he say to somebody else. Not what is somebody else doing with the word. What did God say to me? This is what has to happen. That's why we Christian people, we're real good at this. We find somebody who's down. We find somebody who's sick. We find somebody, oh, can I pray for you? Oh, I just want to pray. And we, just, we tell them what we're going to pray for. But you see, they don't know the word. They, they're not standing on the word. We got to first off, put the word in them. Many times you see this they, in the New Testament. They got them expecting something. Jesus would say, what would you like me to do for you? That I would see. Oh, very well. All right, well. And they would, they would see. But we, we want to go out there and just, well, I just feel so bad that they're in that situation. We got to have that faith that comes from hearing what God said. So here's the four things Moses did. By faith, Moses, first off, he chose passing sufferings over passing pleasures. Secondly, he fixed his eyes on a greater reward and a rewarder. Fixed his eyes on a greater reward and a rewarder. Third, he implemented what seemed useless to protect against something never seen with the blood on the doorpost and the Passover that he instituted. And uh, fourth, he embarked on a journey into what was unknown to protect against the very visible threat. I can see the threat of the Egyptian army. We can see that. But I I can't see this, this solution. I've never seen us walking through a Red Sea. I've never seen the power of God hold water back and then crash it down upon the army that pursued us. But God knew what He was doing. He said, the Egyptian army that's pursuing you, you're not going to see them anymore. I often wonder. You know, God is up there in the book of Revelation. He's watching the tribulation. All heaven's watching it. What do you think heaven's doing right now? During the uh, Red Sea crossing. They're all eyes are on there. We're watching this, man. They said, this is some foolish people down here. (laughs) They've never seen water held up. They know you're holding this water up. They know that they're your people. And they want to go out and get your people. And they think you're going to keep holding it up? What kind of foolishness is that? But we are capable of all kinds of foolishness. They did not go through in faith. They went through boldly. The Egyptians went through with great boldness. But they didn't go through in faith. 
You see, whatever we do, we have to do it in faith. By faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. Constantly, Moses put aside what he saw with his eyes. For what God said, this is what I will do. He had to get his eyes off of what was going on. All the people had their eyes on the Egyptian army chasing them. The block on the left, the block on the right. Can't go this way, can't go that way, can't go forward. Now we can't go backwards. What have you done, Moses? But Moses' eyes are what God has said. I brought you here because I'm going to deliver you from these people forever. They're not going to ever chase you again. I brought you here with a plan and a purpose. And Moses said, I see it. I choose to see your plan and purpose. And I believe it. And that's where he went. Now God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You can choose to believe the signs that you see now. Or you can choose to believe what God has said. It's up to us. But when we get there, it's going to get, God going to save us by faith? Or are you going to say, well, they tried to go across. It didn't work. That's what he said to the Egyptians. Yeah, they're not going to make it. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so, well, they were gone. God doesn't want you just to attempt. He wants you to, by faith, know what He said. And just know the enemy will constantly put things in your path to get your vision on what is happening now. Don't let words come out of your mouth that are saying, I'm focused on what I see now. Keep your eyes focused on what is ahead. And no matter what it is that you give up, no matter what it is that you lay aside, be like Moses. Alright, I took those pleasures of Egypt and I laid them aside. And I picked up this suffering of the Hebrews because I count what is ahead far more valuable than what I see right here. Father, I pray that we all can develop the same eyesight that Moses has. That we can see far better into our future. Far better into the eyes of faith. Far better into the promises that God has made for us. And that takes up our vision far more than what we see here in this life. What we feel here in this life. Those things, it's not going to be our focus. Our focus is you. Thank you for it. Give you the praise and the glory that you're growing us up. Moses didn't get there overnight. Took him some time. Father, we we're going to get there. We're not going to be distracted by these things that are going on in our life. By the reports we get from doctors or financial institutions, banks, whatever it might be. We're not going to be discouraged. We're going to believe in you. And I thank you for it in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.